0: Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. You are listening to a Sukkot sermon by Rabbi Rebecca Schatz. This year, I built my first Sukkah. I bought it, I built it alone, and I decided I was going to host each day that I was free to do so. Honestly, I don't know why this year seemed more important to build a Sukkah than last, but I am sure that the idea of hosting was part of it, and the connection to self-reflection another part. The first topic in our halacha class, my first semester of rabbinical school, was hilchot sukkah, how to build, what to build, when to eat, how much to eat, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I remember the topic well because it was my introduction into halacha, which turned into my favorite subject but also because it introduced the concept of strict law created for spiritual and ritual significance. What do I mean? Surely Shabbat and Kashrut have similar connections. Yes, true, but Sukkot builds build a structure that mandates a certain amount of stability while still permeable and vulnerable. So the laws of Sukkot seem to be metaphorically teaching us the secrets of the human soul when to have walls up and when to let things in, when to be vulnerable and when to be shaded enough to feel safe, when to be visible and easily seen, and how to build ourselves close enough to the ground that we are recognizable. Siman 631 of Hilchot Sukkah and the Shulchan Aruch, our main code of Jewish law compiled by Yosef Karo in the 16th century, discusses shade versus sun. A sukkah whose sun and shade are equal amounts coming in from above is not a kosher sukkah. Why? Because a sukkah needs to have more shade than sun. It needs to be comfortable and able to dwell in for long periods of time. However, if from below, meaning the place where you sit, the shade and sun are equal, that's fine. And a kosher sukkah. The halacha continues. Derech kal gedolim. kamin Beit It is preferred that the schach be light enough that you can see the big stars easily. However, if the schach is thick like the roof of a house. Even if you cannot see the stars from inside, it is valid. It is preferred that we be able to see that which is around us, permeable, visible, and noticed, but not necessary. There needs to be some covering, but that covering cannot be too exposing or too restricting to what is around us. The Ramah, Rabbi Moshe Israelis who's also referred to as the gloss, the Ashkenazi opinion on Yosef Karo's Sephardic law, comments that every sukkah is going to have holes. They just cannot be large enough that your head or body can fit through. Each sukkah is going to have holes, cracks, spots of exposure, but they cannot be too big. And it is better if they are not closed completely. We too have imperfections, gaps, Some may even call them flaws in our souls, but as long as they don't take over, they're merely present and provide uniqueness. Balance is an important part of sharing ourselves, knowing how much light to shine and when to step back, knowing how many stories to tell or when to keep some things private, knowing how to see the stars but not be overly exposed to the sun. A sukkah that is taller than 20 amot, which is about 32 feet, we think, is invalid. This might seem obvious, as 32 feet is quite tall, and as our Rabbi's comment feels more like, and needs to be built more like, a permanent structure, if it has that much height to it. However, the Mishnah Barura, Rabbi Yisrael Meir Kagan's 19th century commentary on the Ora Chaim section of the Shulchan Aruch, teaches that it is also because... If you sit in a 32-foot sukkah, it's harder to see through the schach, or maybe even notice the roofing at all. If we put up walls that are too high, we are unable to take them down easily, or even see what is beyond our own boundaries. We know from the laws of Shabbat that the boundaries are important, that personal versus public space is designated to be separate for good reason. However, too often, we put up personal walls that reach so high that others do not know how to get in. We need to keep our sukkot at a reasonable height so that the barriers, barriers of our soul can be easily removed and we can let in the elements of life around us. Interestingly, the shulchan aruch also has a minimum on height, needing the sukkah to be taller than 10 tefachim, about 3 feet. So, we must have some walls, some boundaries, some ways of protecting ourselves. But the happy medium of not too high allows our Sukkot and our soul Sukkot to be vulnerable to the world around us. On Rosh Hashanah, we enter God's home, God's palace, and approach our ultimate parent as this is me. Between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, we work to figure out how that version of self needs repair reevaluation, repentance, love, care, and inward apology. The gates close and we are elated to have done this work and exhausted to begin the work ahead of us. So Sukkot mimics our current selves. We walk out of Naila and put the first nail into our sukkah. We begin the work of this permeable, vulnerable self that will at times be strong and at other times beautifully broken. The sukkah itself is one that is difficult to dwell in. It's easier to spend time criticizing or praising or evaluating our lives. It's harder to live a life that with each moment chosen, it's unknown. What if I say hurt someone? What if I don't say something that could change a life? What if I'm too scared to do that and miss out on an opportunity? What if I stay too high above and never let people see through to my slivers of light? What if I'm too shaded and my light cannot shine through? What if my walls are up too high and people do not feel I'm accessible? One last piece of halacha. Ketzad Mitzvot yeshiva basuka she'yie ochel v'shotet, ve'yashen umetayel, Karo asks, what is the mitzvah of sitting in the sukkah? It is to dwell in it, to drink, sleep, lounge, to live in the sukkah all seven days, day and night, just as one would live in their home the rest of the days of the week. So this halacha is reminding us that we need to leave that which is sturdy, comfortable, and known and venture into the questions of life, the what ifs, the hard conversations, the moments of tochecha, of rebuke of ourselves and of others. We do not enter our sukkot unarmored. We make the sukkah comfortable with our fine dishes and linens and even mugs, Karo writes. We bring our security blankets to face the moments that can make us scared, but we have to walk in into those fragile spaces. shave Basuka, sit inside and truly dwell in the permeability of life's moments and vulnerability of life's experiences. Sukkot might be the hardest holiday. As opposed to Yom Kippur or Rosh Hashanah, we are commanded to be happy and celebrate, and yet We are being reborn into versions of ourselves that should scare us in the best of ways. We should each be thinking about the ways we're changing, the chances we now have motivation to take, the things we have courage to say, the vulnerabilities we are willing to share, the hearts we are working to safely crack open. We decorate our Sukkot to remind ourselves that a permeable, impermanent, shaky, ever-withering, Sometimes uncomfortable structure is worth recognizing as beautiful because that is who we are and we deserve to beautify our souls and our lives. And sometimes that takes being commanded to find the happiness, finding the grounding in the shaky foundation, finding the slivers of light in the shade, finding comfort in dwelling within the walls of vulnerability.